Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome back to another episode of the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. I'm your host, Dario, and uh, this is a very special episode for me because I can finally uh, present to you my good colleague, Colin uh, McAndrew from Canada, uh, calling with his band. He is, um, of course, uh, the great guy behind the what's hot and um releases of the week uh playlist together with me without him uh i would have a full-time job with it so um please uh uh say hi or uh, to colin hi colin say hi to the people listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh it's 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 very Cool to have you here with your band Ash Breather, and um, you guys have a new EP coming up on December third. It's called "Ow My Eye," and I want to hear everything <laughs> about it, and and I want to get to know you guys because I only know Colin so far. Um, so why don't you introduce yourselves and what you do in the band, what your roles are, and stuff like that? Take it away. We'll start on this side. I'm Charlie or Charles. I'm the bass player and vocalist. We're all the vocalists, though. That's the exciting part. So most importantly, I'm the bass player. <laughs> you know, Colin, and uh, I'm McKay. I play guitar and I do vocals as well, oddly enough. I guess I might as well like uh, introduce like my role in the band anyways, in case people don't know, but I am the drummer and a vocalist as well. I mean, in, might as well just go like a vocalist instead of the vocalist because we all do vocals. So we're all the vocalist. <laughs> no, I'm the vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's actually a, a pretty interesting part to, to start on because, of course, you guys, uh, you already released an album last year in April 2020 self-titled debut album and back then you had a lead vocalist uh ben lavoie and now you are a three-piece um and you all took over vocal duties so now introducing yourselves uh i think it already came through a little bit that 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 you're truly sharing them and that's it didn't sound like anyone has like the big bulk of lead vocals uh, going on um is there any anyone who has like a strong suit in more i don't know more growling or more more lead vocals or is it really equally sing at this point as far as clean vocals go mckay's the only one who can actually sing me and colin can growl but i mean we're, we're learning to sing i think mean, we do actually all group vocals uh clean vocals like in tranquilizer and that's like the first example of us doing cleans all together uh it doesn't really shine out like us too much but it's just you know a group effort it's like kind of starting point just like yeah we kind of can but like it's 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 a starting point you know um it's uh, speaking of a starting point um 
as as we just established, uh, you guys had like a lineup change, and um, now you have this EP coming out. Um, so is this maybe kind of a transitory release um, leading up to like 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 y- you guys finding your um, a new balance in the three piece with this release? Could you say that? I think you could. Uh, we kind of actually put stuff out in a bit of a weird order because there was so much time between when we recorded our first album and when it actually came out. Uh, we had a lot of time to just write and practice. So we actually have two full albums that are basically written that are just wow. on the background. And we actually wrote the EP after those two because we were just probing around trying to find a way to record them that we'd be, we'd be happy with. So uh, this was really just kind of a way of testing the waters of self-production and seeing if we could do it uh, before moving on to the material that we're a little bit more attached to. Okay. Um, but we're kind of like, they were kind of like just almost like sacrificing a little lambs to the altar. Like we had stuff we were really attached to and we're like, if we're going to say, you know, record these ourselves, just keep things super like, you know, low budget. We're not sure how, what we're doing and we're not sure we want to risk this material. So over the pandemic, lots of it when we weren't even able to see each other, we wrote these songs and ended up liking them a lot, despite the fact that they're kind of like, okay, let's write something a little more, you know, that we're not as attached to, but we're extremely attached to them now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we, as we wrote, got this EP together, and then we worked with April Hutchins, uh, as you know, from Anna Pest, uh, you know, did the production. We kind of want to kind of take a different direction with, I guess, you know, getting the EP to sound as good as we could with, you know, the different direction and, you know, doing the recordings ourselves, engineering and whatnot. Because the first album was done in like a professional studio and paid pretty good money for that. And then just kind of went, you know, the, I guess the easier route, I guess, in terms of uh, mix and master, just, just like, okay, well, they sound good. So I'm sure we can, um, you know, make that, sound good enough as as it is with like you know just some little tweaks and then mix and master and uh, see how it comes out and leave it at that (laughs) yeah more or less for the the first one and uh we we learned a lot from that one i mean we're coming up on what like five years ago that some of those songs were written almost from the first album so we're you know we some of them we still like but they're, they're definitely like you know We've moved on. <laughs> yeah, actually, speaking of, speaking of five years, that starting like in December would actually be marking five years of Ash Breathers. Yeah. And which is right. part of the reason why uh, I thought that December would be a good time to put out this EP, just as a kind of like a marker in our career to kind of pinpoint, you know, how much has changed since the beginning of the band leading up to this EP that we put out. And I really think that looking at where we are now with songwriting, the two other full-length albums that we plan on getting out in the next couple of years, hopefully, um, it's. I, I really want to, you know, just like ha- have this EP as like a, that really big point of just like, hey, so this is where we are now, and we really hope that people who hear this are gonna want to stick along and see where we go from here. And even though it's like initially the EP was just kind of like, oh, this is going to lead up to it. It may not be as as exciting, but then we heard the songs the way they are now with April's mix. And we're just like, oh, wow, these are really good. (laughs) 
so uh, it's like gotten to the point i'm just like you know what if people actually end up liking this ep even more than whatever we put out later on i won't complain because they are i we are really proud of these tracks we really are but uh i'm not complaining but, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. you mentioned uh, the production and, and talked talked a bit about it now, and and also with with April doing doing the mix and master. Um, I think as in like like a person outside of the band, um, I, I can definitely hear a big step up in the production and sound um, from the debut album to the EP now. Um, but songwriting wise of course um there's i think on the first track discarded uh, there's still the songwriting credit for your former lead singer ben um but i also think that that songwriting wise you 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 really went all in and um yeah it's it's really experimental i would say um i mean there's there's uh, some trumpet played by you charles uh, i believe and some saxophone Played by you, McKay. If I read the 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 uh, band camp um, credits correctly, uh, <laughs> and you even have a feature with a rapper on the third track, Asablanca, yeah. Lil <laughs> P. Um, and uh, that's that's still uh, quite uh, um, an unusual thing in the prog world. I mean, Colin and I have been uh, like joking on it in our group chat today a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> yes, i mean did, oh, of course earlier this year we had uh, we had vola doing the um the feature with a shaman uh these black claws which was fantastic and 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 you guys uh, integrated pretty well in, into your sound and i i think um with with the uh with the sound from from the album back then i i I think it wouldn't have mixed as well as as now as you have developed your writing style and also your production. Um, yeah. How did how did how did all all this come together? I mean, you you said you you wrote these like these these songs like they're really fresh as compared to 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 the songs coming in the in the in the upcoming albums. Um, so. Um, I mean, we see you three guys sitting there together now, um, and as and I know you are also living together in a, a kind of band house. Did you did you really re, uh, write them together and and like or or was it before you moved in together? Oh, that was all done way yeah, before we moved. It yeah. was over like lockdown. Like we moved in June of this year. and it was like at the start of the lockdown in like March, April last year that we're like, Hey, you know, we can't see each other, but we can still just toss ideas back and forth, talk on Discord and things like that. And we started again. That's when we decided let's just let's try and work on a smaller release. You know, instead of we were kind of gearing up to start preparing to record our second full length album, which, like I said, had been written for a while already. Yeah, that was it. we were hunting for a studio that would yeah. that would work for us. And uh... pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure came for a lot of people. Yeah, the thing about that, if it wasn't for the pandemic, it's hard to say, like, if we would actually be living in this house together right now. Because with the pandemic going on, it was what kind of pushed us that, like, we need to find a way to be able to do this, not just illegally, but obviously, because, you know, like, 
no, it's illegal to do that during a pandemic. But we're just like, well, if we live together, then it wouldn't be a problem. And it just kind of clicked and we all were just immediately like, why not? <laughs> you know, so we just hopped on the opportunity as soon as we could and figured that the this this would be this opens up so many doors for us you know like uh, having a studio to be able to just jam whenever we want together uh be able to record ourselves and even you know other people if they want uh to have like a space to record or you know jam with us whatever just you know it's a studio so as far as writing went uh this was really different from how we usually approach it most of the time we're all practicing together and a lot of our writing kind of revolves around us being able to perform it so we really try to make it so that on album, it sounds the same as it does live. But here, since we couldn't actually see each other face to face, it was a lot more virtual and we were just sending parts back and forth, kind of segmented. And uh, we decided since we can't perform anyway at the moment, we might as well just try playing with layering guitars and uh, sampling and trying different instruments like the brass and the, the woodwind and all that. And the cello, uh, and the cello on tranquilizer. Yeah. So we, we, to my father, yeah. I very much will. So that's it. We really wanted to uh, kind of play with if we have infinite time in the studio, essentially, to work on it, then what would come out of it instead of just the usual of we have a weekend to nail it. All right. Um, did you did you set yourself any any boundaries as, as far as uh, you, like like. Um, you say okay the, the the ash breed the sound is like that and we don't want to venture from it too far no yeah i mean we, we try to stick to something that kind of is cohesive with each other like we want the albums to sound like it's it's one piece of music and the songs are kind of married with each other but as far as going from album to albums go uh there's really no plan it's just kind yeah. of whatever whatever sounds good and whatever's fun to yeah. play to me the fact that it's even like that we're a metal band is almost redundant like obviously we are but i have no particular interest in playing metal more so than any other genre really or maybe more than sub genres you know i probably played okay <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know i don't know that's for the next one yeah that's the thing for me it's kind of just you know it's what comes naturally it's whatever comes naturally when we work and that's together and that's generally metal based you know we all like a lot of the same music and a lot of it is metal but you know we're all influenced by a lot of the same things but to varying degrees for all of us but especially for me the fact that it happens to be metal is kind of redundant almost <laughs> and nothing wrong with the fact that it is but it could just as easily be something else if that's what came about naturally Yeah, I mean, us starting off as an Opeth tribute, uh, leading into this band definitely probably helped with the whole we could still be metal thing, <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, especially Opeth, like especially right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, having having it like like the 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 whole band here uh, as you you guys are a trio now it's it it, it kind of opens a possibility for me uh, in this interview. Um I usually don't have uh, because either a band is an eight piece or a six piece or whatever and uh, or mostly I only have one member. Um but now it's like that's like uh, I, I can I think I can ask you like uh, individually Uh, if there's any particular heroes of, of yours um, 
be it in your main instrument uh, as an influence or in music in general that you kind of would would say is is one of would be one of your biggest heroes like could be two or three but uh yeah go <laughs> john dwyer of uh ocs is is the guy that i look up to the most at the moment just because I, i i really admired just the well the sound for one thing the music is fantastic but just kind of the attitude that he's taken towards music and how long he's been in the scene and how much of it he's just kind of done himself how much of the kind of industry shit that people complain about that he's completely just walked past and not bothered with. It's, it's a big reason that I, I wanted to go the DIY route and wanted to make a home studio and learn how to engineer myself because the less I need to depend on, you know, people with more influence and people with more money or more means than I do to make my music, the more steps I can do myself, the better. So he, he was a really, really huge model for, for what I want to do. You don't have any other uh, names you want to point? I mean, I got a fucking million. Yeah, I guess really I'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. If, if I was talking about bands, yeah, forget it. But if we're going to go on then to kind of narrow down to main influences, at least in terms of drums, um, I have to pinpoint specifically to Mike Portnoy, but I'll also throw in Gavin Harrison as well. There's something about the distinct differences in both of their styles that I just have such just i take so much influence from both of their playing because of how like i a lot of it i think is when i listen to mike portnoy a lot of his playing it just kind of works for me a lot of the times like when i do some jams or whatever i'm playing a lot of heavy stuff and the more proggy stuff and then like a lot of his ideas that he had with dream theater like dream theater has been like pretty much my favorite band for like half my life so all that time getting into their stuff and listening to Mike's passages uh, was just such a big inspiration for me. And that's what helped me to eventually build on that craft of just writing cool parts and then getting to know more about Gavin Harrison's playing. A lot of it was more focused in like the feel of his playing and like a lot of just different things that I never you know expected to would expect to, I guess, to hear from Mike Portnoy. It's quite different. And I guess in more of a sense, he's more almost like a jazz drummer, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's something about that, that kind of opened more doors for my inspiration. And yeah. By, by, by the way, if you guys out there want to hear more of Gavin Harris, Gavin Harrison's uh, solo work, um, I just read like the other day that, 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 I think three albums, including Cheating the Polygraph, are now up on the streaming services. Yeah, uh, so um, if, if you want to check them out before hopefully buying them, uh, you can do so now. <laughs> actually, kind of funny. I think I do actually have a CD copy of one of uh, Gavin and Osric's um, albums. It was uh, The Man Who Sold Himself, I believe. Um, It's kind of funny. My dad actually pre-ordered that because he was also a pretty big fan of like Gavin's stuff. And he not only that, but he pre-ordered it like super early to the point of being one of the first 200 to pre-order and got a signed copy and everything. Oh, wow. And it's kind of like, yeah, I ended up listening to it and I wasn't really a fan. So I thought you'd probably like to have it. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> It wouldn't hurt to have it into the collection. <laughs> yeah, I actually expected it to sound like Porcupine Tree and instead of 
what came out of it, which is much more, I guess, kind of weird, also jazzy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, you, did you did you listen to uh, Lost Lost Years Chemical Reactions album with uh, Antoine Fafar? Uh, like Gavin Harrison did a duo or like a collaboration with with the bass player Antoine Fafard. He's also from Canada, I think. Like like, um, but he's I think he's in the UK now. And he they did uh, like uh, it's like a orchestral fusion. So it's like an orchestra, like a chamber orchestra, and um, yeah, bass and drums. It's like fantastic, yeah. and and I and, and I was lucky enough to to have. Um, Gavin on the proc cast back then for this album. Um, very, very, very unique stuff. But um, the funny thing is when when you just said Mike Portnoy and Gavin Harrison, I thought, well, this is of course probably ninety nine percent of the prog dramas you would ask that, that might yeah. might be their answer. Um, but then again, of course, me being being a big prog enthusiast as well. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in the prog space and doing the prog talk. talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, Keep going. Hopefully it doesn't uh, die down while we're doing this. <laughs> all right. I see. Um, but, um, yeah, even though it, it is, it, you might expect it to be the, the standard answer. Um, it's, it's not, um, it, it There's the reason behind that. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, totally. that's what I wanted yeah, to like say. Guitar, like if you ask a guitarist, like who's the biggest uh, influence on your player, who, who influenced your playing? Like everybody's gonna say like Hendrix or Zappa or you know all, all your big guys. And I mean, yeah, me too. It gets because it's pretty undeniable kind of the impact that they had on just the instrument. <clears throat> so it's it's hard to escape that. <laughs> I mean, if you want me to try to like pinpoint to like more underrated drummers, and it's like, okay, I guess uh, Steve Judd of uh, Carnival is pretty neat. I think he's uh, pretty overlooked. You know, Carnival is also a pretty big band, but not many people talk about him. And you know, yeah, they, they uh, do so uh, a few albums. They they should do more albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. They keep like hyping about like something new, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And then uh, it's just like, "Oh no, it's a live performance of Sound Awake." I'm just like, "Oh, that's cool." Um, new music though, anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, All well, right. I mean, well, on to the bass players. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm gonna go completely off the reservation and name a rapper, of course, <laughs> which would be Aesop Rock, not ASAP Rocky, but Aesop Rock, underground Jewish guy. One's been at it for like 30 years or so. Just oh, wow. it's my favorite words in any art, not even just in music, but like across all literature and poetry and film. Dude writes my favorite words. He's got the biggest vote, like scientifically proven, the biggest <laughs> vocabulary in all of hip hop ever. And you know, <laughs> to yeah, they did this some some college or university somewhere. They somebody did this study as their thesis. Like examining rappers' vocabulary and the unique words, the amount of unique words they use, and there's like a bunch of like the second, third, fourth place. They're all kind of grouped together. It's a lot of Wu Tang guy stuff like that. Then there's this giant gap, and then there's him at number one. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing, and you know he, you know nothing we've ever written aside from I guess the you know the Little B collaboration. But you know when we're doing normal metal stuff, 
you couldn't call any of it like rap rock or rap metal. None of the vocals are ever rapped. But that is the number one thing that influences me when writing lyrics is just, you know, I really like rap lyrics. It's in some ways like my favorite type of vocals. So when we're writing lyrics, which is something, again, that we all do often together, it's no one person's job, really. But the stuff I've written, it's often very influenced rhythmically by hip hop and you know it's without lyrics lyric wise too i find like the i always thought asap when listening to uh your spoken word thing and acid black that makes sense like that does make sense i even when i'm not thinking about it it's it's there there's for like we said we have a there's one big chunk of vocals i, I wrote that i really like that's on the second album of a <laughs> full album we've written and haven't released yet that of course was like really fucking difficult to do. So I gave it to Colin. I'm like, here, I wrote it. Colin should perform it, you know, <laughs> that I really, really just, and just cadence wise, I think is really fun. And you, without getting to the point where it just, it actually sounds like rapping and it sounds like cheesy, like rap metal or something. Oh, is that the one it's where just I, very, is that the one where I have a hard time still getting it? Down? Yes. <laughs> I can't do that while playing. Okay. It's hard. Give it to the drummer. <laughs> I, I wrote some of the most complex drums for that part too. So like after I was like told to do that, I'm just like, Oh, um, I guess I could try. <laughs> I mean, that's like I said, that's yeah. two albums away. We have a lot of time to work on it. <laughs> so, let, let, let me let me ask you um, about this. Um, yeah, um, combination of rap and and metal or rap and prog. <laughs> um, I mean, it's one thing to invite uh, someone from the genre performing a part. Um, doing what what they are like best at um but i'm i'm really curious about what what do you think about um prog or metal performers or musicians who try their hand on doing something like rap i mean first first uh example that would come to my mind would be uh daniel gilder and pain of salvation and um me not being that familiar with the proper hip hop um i always thought thought that it that it worked well in in the in the pain of salvation context when daniel used it it um but i could also assume or i could also um imagine that that for people who are really into hip hop and really know about the the genre um might find it cringy or not well done. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it hard to tell from different communities, but like some people, like some proggers may hear it just like, ew, rap? I don't like it. That's like, it, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people who they're just kind of set in one genre. And, and if you set foot outside of that, then it doesn't matter how well done it is. It's just they don't like it, right? Um, yeah, that, that, that that's a, that's another problem, of course. I mean, um, I, I, I I've seen... A lot of people really digging the whole Vola album, but then I said, "Ah, that part is not for me," and 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 that's the nice comments, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should be grateful for people saying it's not for me these days. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's totally, if it's a genre you never listen to, it's pretty normal that you know you get something like that just out of the blue, and it's not necessarily going to click with you because everything's an acquired taste, you know? 
you're not going to hear just some rapping for like the third time in your life. You know, you've never listened to the genre. And I mean, it could click with you, but more likely it won't. And if you're putting the effort and start to explore the genre more, you might warm up to it. But, you know, definitely. everything's an acquired taste. Yeah, I'm definitely expecting a lot of metalheads to not dig Asablanca, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those cases where I probably have more the most fun when people don't like something of ours or some people are straight up insulting something of ours. If it's that specifically, I'd probably enjoy it. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just like, we, we like to take in proper criticism, but when someone just flat out does that, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of laughable. You know, it's just like, you don't really have any actual meaning to why you just like, it. it's just like, Oh, I don't like rap. So that's why I don't like it. <laughs> you know, if you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. theprogspace.com Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we had something similar with with the with the more pop leanings of 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 some prog artists or assumed prog artists, let's say like that. I mean, uh, at the very beginning of the year in January, uh, Stephen Wilson released the Future Bites, and uh, right. just recently we had Bent Knee. Uh, releasing their new album Frosting, and um, of course, a, lo a lot of old school prog heads like uh, they they. They don't know how to process uh, the 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 hyper pop of uh, of bent knee, and uh, they just flat out refuse to um, listen to anything that sounds like the future bites. Um, and and I and I have to um, refer back to to uh, one of my favorite memes from Colin. When uh, you remember which which one, Colin. It was about the future bias because, like, like uh, it was the Drake meme. Like people. Oh people right, yeah, yeah. It was just like, oh yeah, it was uh, the the top one was just like uh, disliking the future bias because it's pop, and then the other one was just like disliking the future bias because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's really that 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 is like a brings us to a good point. So I feel like the opposite of what we were saying before. A lot of people, artists, will kind of try and hide behind, like let's say they really like they do something that's a big change up in style or genre to what they usually do, and they'll just hide behind. Oh, you just don't like it because I've ch it's changed so much from what I used to. You just don't. When often, like okay, no, maybe it actually is crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's so, subjective, of course. Yeah, it's a tricky. It's a tricky. Know. Like uh, the Stephen Wilson is is a good example, I think. Where I'm not a huge. I don't dislike Stephen Wilson in general, but I'm not a huge fan in general either. Where it's like, yeah, a lot with a lot of his solo material, it's like you know a lot of people hate it just because it's not prog. You know, it's not very prog or it's not very metal. Whereas you know, I just think. It's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of great music in that style. I just don't think his is included. included yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong crossing over into something else. It's, oh, no. The way I see it is that, like, as you kind of keep on making music over the years, you can either evolve and change your sound so that it stays interesting to you, and people will complain because you changed your sound and they wanted the old shit. Uh, 
or you can just keep on doing and recycling the same stuff that you've already done and stick to the same sound. And then you get bored of it and your audience gets bored of it and they hate it anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's loose. you might as well do it. Yeah. I think the thing too with yeah. genre hopping is kind of like it, let it come naturally, you know, don't be like, okay, we got to switch up genres and just throw something at the dartboard and see what genre you land on. <laughs> you know, I'm sure for Steven Wilson, his progression over his career, is just something that came extremely naturally to him. It wasn't like, I'm not doing metal anymore. He just woke up one day and said, I'm not doing <laughs> wrong. And it's kind of metal. I consider it metal. So I'm not, you know, I'm making like, you know, like. Well, fe- Fear of a Blank Planet was, was, was kind of metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's hard to argue like uh, which Porcupine Tree was like, I guess, the most metal because it's like some most, some people would say Deadwing. Like I would probably say Deadwing because I think it is like their heaviest one. But other people would probably say Fear of a Blank Planet because it's one of the darker ones. Sunday of Life. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> and I'm sure like all of those. You didn't wake up one day and be like, "Okay, this one is going to be exactly like this. It's going to be a total 180 from what I did before." It's just, it's something that happens slowly over time, and you just slowly. That, that, that reminds me. That reminds me of Opeth and the change from from uh, uh, Watershed to Heritage. Obviously, that was a huge one for the whole metal scene, and it's still, uh, it's still like a lot of old school fans out there who who want yeah. Michael to growl again on new material and stuff um but i also had like i think it was two years ago when i when i interviewed um uh martin mendez um the bass player and he told me that uh, back then michael had written a metal album and showed it to him and <laughs> he told michael That's not good. You have to throw it away. <laughs> well, that's it. You got to meet it, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta actually want to play the music that you're playing. Otherwise, it's just gonna, it's gonna sound fake. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that, that that's a very true, true statement uh, uh, about authenticity. Um, let's move on. I have an, I have, I have another question actually here. Um, because I saw that the artwork is done by you as well, McKay, is it right? Uh, so, um, yeah. Are, are you an artist, uh, or, or is it just like a, like a, like an interest of you and, and, uh, and another talent, um, and, and how do you approach it? <laughs> I guess it's more of a side hustle. Like I, I kind of, I studied uh, engineering and uh, I was not particularly interested in it. So I learned a lot about ge- geometry and how to draw shapes and how to do design drawings that look, you know, you can convey the shape that you're actually trying to draw. But uh, I didn't really want to draw silos and tractor parts or anything. So I usually just drew messed up, squished up faces and deformed people because it's, it's fun for me. Uh, so I spent... Uh, most of my time in school, uh, just growing those. And uh, I guess I got kind of good at it eventually. <laughs> so it's always been kind of a side hustle. And I've only started kind of really drawing seriously and trying to make them look uh, usable for album art, maybe this year, last year. Yeah, speaking about album art specifically, I mean, that's 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 quite um, a very restricted. Uh, Well, no, not restricted, but of course the format is given, um, uh, being square. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. um, but within that square, you're of course free to do whatever you want. 
Um, is there any particular album artwork that that you think was just when you first saw it, you you fell in love with it? Let's put it like that. Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I know it's kind of like a, an obvious go-to, but uh, I think um, Court of the Crimson King. Uh, just the that face in general was a big roadmap for me. Uh, I really liked, uh, th that was like one of the things that I always drew when I was starting out because it was one of the first ones that actually started turning out well were uh, just kind of gaping mouths and like jagged teeth. And almost all of that I, I modeled, the, the jumping off point for all of that was Core of the Crimson King. And just that kind of, the face on it. <laughs> I, I really like this Screaming people. It's, it's, my it's favorite better than just silly faces or like, you know. Oh, yeah. We're all still five years old at heart. Big time, big time. <laughs> body horror. You, 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 you guys have any favorite album artworks that you'd like to give a shout out to? Again, it's a super obvious choice, but all that classic like Cannibal Corpse artwork oh, was yeah. just oh, yeah. so vividly imprinted on me since I was young. Like, When I was really young, you'd see that and be like, that's it. That's like the scariest music ever. You know, that must be just based on the artwork, you know? And so just like even look before, way before I ever listened to death metal, you know, even, you know, which I would have gotten to in like high school. But even before that, you know, you'd see just in the wild, I'd see stuff like that. Yeah, like butchered birth t-shirts. Yeah, and you know, yeah, a lot on t-shirts. That's the thing. It's like, I guess in high school too, especially, you know, see like older kids, you know, with like cannibal corpse t-shirts and stuff. And it was really like, yeah, just implanted on like wow that's that's cool <laughs> just like neanderthal like beavis and butthead just fucking reaction to it it really just embodies that well just oh, that's, that's fucking well oh, that's badass oh uh baroness every, every baroness album mm. like it's uh, i guess another obvious trip yeah badass, but uh just have beautiful fucking artwork mm. psychedelian what else do you need me <laughs> Sorry, I said the quiet part left. <laughs> And you call it? wasn't very quiet. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, uh, it did come to mind that, uh, like, you know, in the, on the subject of uh, body art, I remember showing one to, uh, to McKay that I remember him also liking, but it was uh, Flesh Vessel's first DP, Wild Man Reborn. That one is like, oh, it's really interesting. Like, I just, like the cover of that, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, Such a gray one. Um, oh, are you? Oh, are you have it too? It oh, oh, look at that! Oh, and, and the Ashbeater sticker. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you got to that? That's a good yeah. ass album. Yeah, we both have a copy exactly too. So, so yeah, all around flesh vessels. Great. Can't wait for the new album. I think it's yeah. uh, coming out either January or February. I'll have to like, double check that, but early next year. So, uh, so to hear that. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be very, very interesting. And uh, the first single was already uh, out on YouTube and it was very, very experimental. Um, that's definitely one to look forward to next year. Um, now, wrapping up this interview, I know Colin is uh, listening to probably a lot more music than I do even. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, the year 2021 is slowly coming to an end. We're uh, midway through November, um, almost, uh, right? And uh, so the first, uh, yeah, 
thoughts about an album of the year are also like thrown around and um um is there anything from this year in particular that you that you thought okay this is uh this is one of the best of this year well i have uh two that i ended up giving a 10 of, of like maybe about 150 albums that I've listened to so far this year. From this year, yes. Which is like only half the amount I've listened to from 2020. So bear with me. Oh, God. Colin, <laughs> yeah. you're dropping the ball. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> only, only 150. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have two 10 on 10s. And even usually between the 10s, I can kind of pinpoint this is the one that grabbed me the most, but I'm still struggling which of those two I uh, am saying is my favorite. So I'm just going to save the two anyways. Uh, it is uh, Disempath by Bridgeburner and Radical by Every Time I Die. I listen to that one. It's pretty good. Yeah. I listen to, I don't, keep tra- I don't keep up with new music very well, but I listen to that one. It's so solid. Uh, I respect that opinion. <laughs> I think it's like one of the best like metalcore, mathcore records I've heard in quite some time. Like it's up there with like one of us is the killer in my opinion. Like I love that album. So um, yeah, and yeah, uh, Bridgeburner. You guys will have to check that one out too. It's uh, definitely much more overlooked than Every Time I Die because like Every Time I Die is you know probably one of the especially one of the the big like up and coming metalcore acts right now and they even toured with Macedon uh, a few years ago we went to go see it and it was amazing but yeah Bridgeburner um almost no one knows about them so I figure I'd throw it in hey go listen to it their their, their album is awesome <laughs> I think uh Cavalcade from Black Midi for me is, is the big one mm-hmm. that is good too. it's uh, just crazy crazy Really, the energy in it is is something that I admire a lot, and I I, I want to be able to play like that. I know I probably never will because I didn't go to fucking Juilliard. But like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, we the three of us a couple years ago, obviously before the pandemic. So it would have been like two years ago. We saw the three of us. You were there, right? Paul? Yes. Yeah, you were. We all saw Black Midi live, and it was fun. like the first album they had at the time. It was pretty good. I thought it was decent. Oh, but then when we went to see him, especially like for me in college, we're just like. Seeing them live was just like, yeah. <laughs> my, like seeing players like this who are so could still be for one thing they're super like fun and charismatic, but just the most like just amazing jazz players, you know, which is kind of the be all and end all for me if, as far as technicality goes. But just definitely not playing straightforward jazz, you know, just playing the most scronky kind of rock ish kind of almost you could almost call it proggy. Yeah, I, I mean, just, yeah, the first album like wasn't quite around the realms of like prog per yeah. se, but uh, I don't know. It's like I was kind of on the same way, but like, I heard it the first couple of times. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty decent. But seeing it live, like something about the energy, the drummer too. Oh my god! Uh, it was like they're younger than us, I think too. They they're like good. our age or younger, which is the most my kind of you know. Like a bit of shit watching them sometimes, like oh yeah. <laughs> but again, I, they all went to Juilliard. Yeah, when I saw that yeah, performance, yeah, when I saw that performance, I'm just kind of like, okay, okay. there's definitely something promising co- coming up for them. And then that new album dropped, and uh, yeah, it's like probably the closest to being King Crimson Warship without being too much King Crimson Warship and actually done really well. 
you know, it's really avant-prog type stuff that experiments with so much. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a worthy mention for sure. Of, uh, um, well, I, I, after you guys praised it so much, I, I will definitely need to get, go back to it because, um, I, I tried to, to, to get into it, but, but, I but I couldn't somehow. Oh, um, it's, it's, I don't know what stuff sort of stuff you usually listen to, but you know, it's, it's very particular. If you're not, you know, huge into jazz and shit, it could be a bit alienating. Well, uh, actually, so, yeah. actually I am. And, and I also like my, my prog very weird sometimes. Um, well, one of the best examples of, of, of weird prog. I mean, I love, absolutely love the ask the slave album. Um, good things, bad people. Uh, from Iceland um, with Raggy Olafsson from Arshtidir on lead vocals. Um, this is absolutely amazing. Um, but but even further out, um, in terms of weirdness, there's uh, there's a Norwegian band called Shamblemaths, and, and they just released their second album, Shamblemaths 2, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and it's like, there's, there's a lot of, you know, um, contemporary classical music and Zool, you know, this, this, this magma, magma type of, uh, really, really weird, um, uh, not really prog rock. It's just like experimental stuff, um, with, with a lot of, uh, non rock mm, instruments as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely into that kind of weird shit as well. So, um, and, and, and I have it uh, on my list to, to check it out again. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, it's been very interesting to, to, to get to know you guys a little bit about, uh, um, your personal, um, favorites and also about your, um, band as a whole Ash Breather. Um, new EP drops um, Friday, December third. Ow, my eye! This this episode is gonna be out uh, on the Wednesday before that. Um, go check out Ash Breather on all the socials and go um, order some merch on Bandcamp. Um, there's some beanies, I think, for the cold weather. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You still got got some stickers. Oh yeah, we've got plenty. Our new ones. Uh, this this one came with the first album. Um, anyways, thank you guys for being on the Proc Talks. Thank you guys out there for listening. Uh, as always, um, please like and subscribe wherever you can, and uh, maybe also uh, get us a cup of coffee and. Um, Support us in this way if you like what we're doing. Um, until next time, stay safe and keep spreading that prog love. The Prog Talks, produced by the Prog Space. Main host, Rune Belsvik Reynos. Produced by Rune Belsvik Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Sack Munibis. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week.